Bienvenidos. Welcome to episode 10 of Your Healing Nature, a weekly podcast about how Black, Indigenous, people of color are reclaiming the outdoors to heal individual and or collective trauma. I'm your host, Brenda Bessa, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Kenya and Michelle Jackson-Salters. Kenya and Michelle are the co-founders of the Outdoor Journal Tour, a hybrid health and wellness organization that centers women and mindfulness in the outdoors. In this episode, we discuss Kenya and Michelle's root stories, the lessons they've learned as entrepreneurs and outdoor advocates, their definitions of real healing, the rewards and challenges of centering mindfulness and DEI in the outdoors, and so much more. Enjoy. I'm so excited to be closing season one with two amazing women, Kenya and Michelle Jackson Salters. Kenya and Michelle are the founders of the Outdoor Journal Tour, a hybrid health organization for women that combines the healing benefits of the great outdoors with introspective journaling and mindful meditation. They are headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and are the creators of the international outdoor wellness phenomenon, We Hike to Heal. Most recently, they've spearheaded their Mindful Minutes program, a nationwide challenge designed to encourage more mindfulness in our everyday lives. Welcome to the podcast, Kenya and Michelle. Hello. So happy to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so I'm so grateful because I was driving to work this morning and I thought, how beautiful is it that I get to close the season with both of you and knowing that the theme for the Outdoor Journal Tour for the month of February is connection, the beauty yes. of connection and mindfulness. So yes. I'm I'm so excited. This month, the Outdoor Journal Tour is highlighting the beauty of connection and mindfulness. So in keeping with this month's theme, I'll be sharing portions of Kenya's newly published Nature Meditations deck, which is a beautiful collection of simple mindfulness practices that help us connect with ourselves and the natural world on a deeper level. We start by connecting through the deep, nourishing aspects of roots, as I ask Kenya and Michelle to share their root stories. What is your root story? And I was thinking a lot about this question in the context of the strengthening affirmations card that is in the nature meditations deck in the card. It literally says trees are only as strong and healthy as their root systems. Roots provide stability and deliver the nourishment and water essential to a tree's survival. And gently say to yourself, I will take the space I need. Then give yourself permission to be as wide and as deep as you need to be. And I oftentimes think that these stories, root stories that provide or encapsulate the lightness and darkness of the human experience that oftentimes lead us to clarity mm-hmm. and in many ways can be these stories of nourishment. Um, I was thinking a lot about that card in the context of that question. And so I was just wondering, what are your individual and or collective root stories, those watershed moments in your life that offered you new insights or messages that changed your life trajectory? Oh, oh, I wow. love that question so much. <laughs> I do <Yeah>. too. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the question. Can you, you want to, you want me to go first or? 
Yeah, you go first because I'm just still in awe of how beautifully that was worded. And I'm just like, I'm a words person. That was that was gorgeous. So yeah, you go first, babe, and I'll, I'll come after you. Yeah, like I said, I really love this this question, this idea of our, our root story. And I, I think that it can be so layered. But for me, it is, it's an interesting combination of like just my upbringing. So being um, a child of um, the military family, growing up in another country, um, being biracial. Um, my mother is German and my dad is Black. Um, growing up in Germany and just that, that foundation that was created because of just who I was born into, if you will. <laughs> you know, even when I think about, you know, going back to being raised as a military kid, I think, you know, that is such a huge part of who I am and, and how I see the world. Um, uh, it's something that I used to struggle with as a kid because I always felt, uh, you know, just kind of different than uh, my peers. But as I got older, I realized that, you know, I have a very unique perspective, you know, being someone who is, you know, American, has dual citizenship, has lived in both countries, you know, has, um, you know, very intimate um, relationship with both, both cultures. Like it just, it, it, is such a interesting um, perspective and view on the world. So I think that that is a really big part of kind of who I am. And when I think about, again, kind of that history and my, you know, my parents and my grandparents, even my great grandparents, who I spent time with when I was younger, like, you know, just very, the little things like my grandpa, my opa passed about seven or eight years ago, taught me how to ride a bike um, out in like uh, the woods back behind their garden. And even though I don't really remember, you know, actually being on the bike and, you know, learning how to ride, I remember that feeling of being connected to him. I remember that feeling of loving being out there, you know, loving to ride my bike and just that beautiful connection that, that I had to all of those things because of that experience. So there's a lot more, <laughs> but for the purposes of the podcast, I'll leave it there. But I mean, when I think about Root Story, I absolutely think about, you know, the people and the places that I come from and how that just had a huge impact on my life and how I see the world. Um, I guess my, my real story will be a little bit different, um, I suppose. Um, the first thing that I think about when you, when you say root story is I just, all I heard was strong, you know, Black women. Um, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, and my cousin were the most pivotal figures in my life growing up, and they were all Black women. And uh, they were actually all non-partnered Black women, which is a tragedy in a lot of ways, but that happens in a lot of black families. And, um, but they were just these monuments of women that just imparted so much wisdom on me, made sure that I understood how important it was to be, to be smart, how important it was to be discerning, how important it was to be independent, how important it was to kind of make things happen for myself. And I think that that fortitude that they left with me has been my saving grace in a lot of spaces I've been in there's something in me that just like it's, it's just like not gonna give up it's not gonna quit and it isn't a situation with me where I feel like it's to my detriment like I think it's just this this quiet strength that I have from them that's like no nah, you could do it try one more time you got it take a break but you got it you know 
Um, but um, I always tell people too, I grew up in Cleveland. Cleveland is a cold, dark place. Um, and in every sense of the word, it's a cold, dark place. And so I, I did and do experience a bit of that coldness as well, a bit of the hardness, the rough exterior. Um, and it's taken years for me to soften. The women in my family are not soft women. <laughs> they are not soft women. They are not sweetie pies. That's not how they are. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've kind of wanted to nurture more of um, my divine feminine, the, the soft, receptive part of me. And that has been a struggle because of where I come from. But I'm still grateful for it. Huge part of my life growing up, too, of course, was loss. You know, losing my mother very young, um, having my cousin take custody of me at only 25. And I was 12. And so at that time, I really had to kind of like be really independent and fend for myself. And so that caused me to be relatively stubborn and a little bit headstrong and um and but also very capable and confident when it comes down to it. So, you know, I'm grateful <clears throat> for what those women gave me and what they imparted on me. And um, I'm proud, you know, I'm really proud to be a descendant of them and to be able to wear, you know, my mom's, my mom's face on my face and my grandmother's uh, body on my hips and <laughs> my cousin's heart, you know, and my chest. And so it's, um, it really is a, it's a privilege. And, I, and, I, and I'm actually really grateful for the opportunity to talk about that too, because I don't think I ever have. In 2015, Kenya was struggling with anxiety and depression. Everything in her life was going well, yet she felt sad. One day, Kenya decided to coordinate an outing with her friends to Stone Mountain in Atlanta, Georgia. She firmly believed that meditating and being in the natural world would lead her to find joy, even if for the day. Once at the summit, Kenya led her friends in meditation. When the group opened their eyes, they had found that two other women had joined the meditation. These kindred spirits asked Kenya how they could join the mindfulness program, which at the time was non-existent. Meanwhile, Michelle stepped in, took their emails, and a few months later, the outdoor journal tour bloomed into existence. As we transition into this part of the story, I want you to consider blooming. Kenya writes, from bud to bloom, flowers remind us that the journey of becoming our fullest selves takes time. You cannot rush the blooming process. All you can do is provide water and light and nutrients and wait for the magnificence to emerge. Today, consider the areas of your life where you're still budding. What can you do to support those buds? How can you trust the process of unfolding? When you feel stuck or unsure, remind yourself of the flower's journey and repeat, I will bloom. Kenya and Michelle continue to share how the Outdoor Journal Tour helped their partnership bloom in a different way and how their root stories are foundational to their work as entrepreneurs and outdoor advocates. You know, for me, the Outdoor Journal Tour's origin story, and I mean, of course, everyone's heard this a million times, that it was something that was really rooted in necessity. It was something that was rooted in um, a necessity for healing for me. And I think that looking back on it, Michelle and I were newly married, um, and, you know, when you get in a relationship with somebody and, you, and you're excited about something and then you, you do all the things, we bought the house, we had the wedding and we were both like, okay, now what, you know? And I think that Outdoor Journal Tour in some ways gave us this opportunity to like bloom in a different way. It, it gave us an opportunity to bloom in a different way as women. It also gave our, our marriage and our partnership a different uh, type of purpose. And um, I think that because that's how outdoor journal tour started 
the conversations that we were having with women, the conversations we're having with each other, it was so purely about the healing, the wellness, and the experience. Um, we never had a business plan. <laughs> we never had a marketing plan. Uh, we didn't sit down and try to determine a, um, we didn't sit down and try to determine uh, like a, 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 a need in the market. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't what it was. It was absolutely just us saying like, hey, I need this me too, let's provide this. And every time we're out, every time we have conversations with women, we are reminded of the necessity of what we're doing. And I think that has what has that has been what has kept us grounded is understanding why we're doing this. You know, no matter how popular or, you know, trending it gets, you know, we get why we're doing it. We get who we're doing it for because it was for us. And it still is in a lot of ways. And so I think that keeps us really focused and, you know, it keeps us really grounded, really grounded in the work. Yeah. um, You know, I think following what, what Kenya said that we didn't start outdoor journal tour in, you know, necessarily the quote unquote traditional sense. It really was. And, and it's interesting because as I'm saying this out loud, it's making, you know, I'm, I'm making all of these connections in my mind, but um, it was, it was for us, it was for us reconnecting back to ourselves, um, you know, and this idea of our root story and, you know, who we are and what keeps us grounded, what allows us to be rooted in some of our, you know, our history and our stories. A lot of the reason why this started is because we were disconnected from that. We had stopped. I, I can only speak for myself. I know that I was not showing up and showing up in the same way that, you know, six, seven year old little girl was showing up, you know, excited um, to try something new, you know, feeling connected to, you know, the people around her, the space around her, and just like very, just living. (laughs) I don't know a better word, but like just truly living. And when we, when we started kind of doing things outdoors more, um, when I started hiking more, when I started getting, you know, more interested, when I recognized that I felt different when I was active, you know, doing things outdoors, it reminded me of that younger version of myself. And it reminded me of, you know, my opa and, you know, the weekends in um, my grandparents' garden and all of those little things that I did that is such a huge part of who I am. I think all of that came back and it allows us to also share that now with our larger community. Um, You know, a big part of the Outdoor Journal Tour is just creating a space for um, women to reconnect, Um, you know, whether that be to themselves, to their, you know, the larger community or or to mother nature or, you know, all of the above. But yeah, I think that's just, uh, it's such a beautiful um, thing to, to express and to, you know, explicitly say that all of these things are connected and it just allows us to um, share that with the, with the Outdoor Journal Tour community. Last year, Kenya and Michelle launched their first Rooted Women BIPOC campout and healing retreat. I was there to witness the magic as women who were complete strangers shared their light and shadow selves with one another. We cried, we laughed, we glistened with sweat, we channeled messages for one another. 
It was one of these rare, beautiful spaces where uniqueness was celebrated and supported. Kenya writes, nature is a lesson in the importance of diversity. The natural world is full of diverse ecosystems, plants, and animals, including us humans. Every living thing has a unique and special purpose in contributing to life on earth. And when the health and viability of an ecosystem or species is in danger, it can have a ripple effect. When one being suffers, we all suffer. Today, pause and consider your own community's diversity. What can you do to foster, protect, and support diversity in your ecosystem? Through the Outdoor Journal Tour, Kenya and Michelle have built an ecosystem where women, especially women of color, are seen and heard. As Kenya and Michelle address how they are healing individual and collective trauma, they share that their goal is to help women reconnect to their essence and to prioritize their wholeness. I think that we are we are just creating this space, um, mm-hmm. and and we are healing ourselves. We are we're just creating this space. We're just creating a safe place where we can, you know, express ourselves and be heard and be seen and ground and just breathe for a moment, you know, and not have to defend or protect or worry or stress, um, and just really like take a deep breath and, you know, what is it that is weighing on me right now? What is it that is separating me from this connection that I desire? You know, what is it that is, you know, weighing so heavily on me? And I I think, you know, women, especially black women, especially women of color, we, we are almost like programmed to just power through which, you know, don't get me wrong, it it has its time and place. And it has absolutely allowed us to, to move through, you know, the world in many of occasions. But um, I feel, you know, at some point that that catches up to us, and it weighs on us. Sometimes it's, you know, physical um, dis-ease, you know, sometimes it is emotional. Um, it, It shows up in so many ways. And while I would love to, you know, take credit for this healing, it's, it's, it's these women, it's everybody within this community, as we share, as every woman, every person that shows up, you know, at these events, at the campouts, retreats, at the hike, the healing circles, at whatever the event is, every woman that shows up, every individual that shows up and shares their story, they are they are inspiring the women around them to share theirs as well. And Mm -hmm. we realize that we're, we are not as alone as we feel, you know, we're not crazy. We're not overreacting. We're not, you know, missing something somewhere, you know, that, that, that this is, this is our situation and it's okay to have whatever feelings we have. And sometimes just expressing it and being seen and being heard is so much, you know, it, it allows for so much weight for just that in itself to be lifted. You know, is this the, the solution to everyone's problems? No, absolutely not. You know, there are other, other things that are necessary, you know, between medication and therapy and, you know, all the other modalities of, of healing treatments available, but, but just being able to be seen and be heard by people in our community is so much more powerful than I think I even really gave credit to for a long time. I had a, <clears throat> I had a really interesting experience at a retreat a couple of years ago and everyone was asked to share something. I think I, I told you about this, Michelle, and you had to 
say to every person in the group um, the words that you wanted someone to have said to you. And there were 16 of us and the persons there were like eight people that were sitting and then eight people that were going in a circle. And so by the time you were done, you had heard 15 people giving these, these words, these apologies, these acknowledgements, these things that, um, that they had been feeling they, that they wanted to hear from other people. And your only response you were able to give them was okay. And um, the facilitator said the reason why she did that is because a lot of times we just need our stories to be validated. We just need somebody else to be able to say, I hear you. And that is real. That is a real thing that you're expressing that happened in your life. A lot of us don't get the opportunity to do that. You know, we feel things, we think things, we have experiences but there isn't anyone around who was willing or able or available to hold space for the reality of what it is that we've experienced, right? And so we created a space where, where that could happen, where we could say this happened. Even if you don't say things out loud, I'm big on saying things out loud, but even if you just write a thing down or you think a thing or you give yourself a moment to acknowledge a thing's reality, it is so healing and cathartic. And like Michelle said, every time some person does that, somebody else feels more validated and more seen and more heard and there's, and that is, um, <clears throat> it's priceless, you know, it's priceless. And it's, and it's relatively easy to do. The Outdoor Journal Tour is known for its hiking, journaling, meditation model. An outdoor journal tour outing will always start with a walking thought. So I invite you to go on a literal or figurative walk with me. Today's walking thought from the Nature Meditations deck asks us to consider the following. An ecosystem is a network of interconnected beings working together. Within an ecosystem, every living thing, big or small, plays an important role in maintaining the balance of the environment. Today, consider your spiritual ecosystem. What beliefs, practices, and relationships are supporting your personal growth and helping cultivate a happy, healthy mind? What can you do to make sure you have a healthy and sustainable balance? Kenya continues by sharing how the hike journaling meditation model lends itself to opening channels of communication that have been historically taboo, especially within the Black community. Well, I think that initially what, what we realized is that so we're, we're women of color and because we're women of color, a lot of women of color are attracted to, attracted to us and they come out and there is a narrative and a historic relationship with like therapeutic spaces and quote unquote, telling people your business in the black community that is serious. And so I knew that we were going to need to find a way um, to get people to feel comfortable talking and the easiest way to do that is to make you tired as hell. And so, <laughs> yeah, we're going to wear you out. Get you good and tired, hot, uncomfortable, because a lot of people are going to be so aware and so mindful of what's happening with their body. They feet hurt, they're sweating, their back is hurting. This is the longest they've ever walked. This is the highest they've ever been. You know, they're going to be so caught up in that, that the conversation will come a little bit easier because their mind is really occupied with what's happening with their body. And so, you know, over time, we kind of started using that to our advantage, you know, with some of our, our first, um, first hikes that we had was in 2015. And we did a hike about fear and it was the longest one. I mean, that hike had to be 
and it was brutal. I think I almost fainted. I mean, it was just, it was just a long, brutal hike. And toward the end, when we were like, hey, what you afraid of? People was like, blah, blah, blah. like I'm afraid of everything because they were exhausted, you know, and uh, that some of that, some of that facade and that, and that face was kind of gone. Um, and also, you know, it's not always just, is it so stressful on your body? Sometimes the surroundings are so beautiful and peaceful and you, you haven't had experience that kind of silence before, or you haven't been in a place where your phone didn't work or things were as gorgeous or smelled as fresh. And that can be a medium too, to make people want to open up and talk. But in, in either circumstance, either from exhaustion or exhilaration, the, the, the movement uh, lends itself to the mindfulness that follows. Yeah, no, um, I think, yeah, Kenya summed it up perfectly, you know, it just, it, 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 you know, the, the movement, the physical exertion just breaks down, um, it takes down some of our walls, it gets us more comfortable, um, you know, with, with just the physical space that we're in, and um, also in the community of people that you're with as well. So it just, yeah, it just creates a beautiful opportunity. Um, and then again, when you're in these beautiful spaces, it's just, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of, you know, that we're a part of this whole, you know, this, this huge, beautiful world. And, you know, we are a part of it, just like, you know, the trees and the birds and the grass and everything else. And I think just all of those reminders together just really make way for just a freedom of communication. In a recent Shout Out Atlanta article, Kenya was asked to describe the Outdoor Journal Tour's work and what sets it apart from others in the wellness industry. She stated, I do this because it was important for me to build a business that was rooted in real healing. I wanted to create a lower barrier to entry for women who needed support for their personal wellness journey. After reading the article, I couldn't shake the phrase real healing. So I asked Kenya and Michelle to describe what real healing looks like for them. What you're about to hear is a reminder that we are worthy of receiving what we want. In the Messages from Earth section of the Nature Meditations deck, Kenya writes, Nature never questions our worthiness. It never asks that we provide our credentials or prove ourselves in order to receive the bounty of its life offerings. Next time you find yourself questioning your worthiness or experiencing feelings of self-doubt, go outside to remind yourself that nature will always embrace you as you are. Choose to be gentler with yourself. Know that you deserve good in your life. You are worthy of the joy, happiness, and peace you seek. Um, so I would say for me, it it means, you know, facing things head on. It means allowing myself to be whole, um, which sometimes means fragile and sometimes means a little bit too stubborn, sometimes means a little bit dark, like I said. Um, it's allowing myself to want what I want. Um, one of the things that I noticed in um, the years of we've been doing this work is that so many of the people that we talk to don't feel comfortable wanting what they want. They don't think it's okay for them to want to have it all. They don't think it's okay for them to want to put them to prioritize themselves or to have space away from their family or, you know, maybe they want the spotlight. Maybe they want to be, they want to feel beautiful. Maybe they, you know, they want to, they want a new job, but they already have a great job, you know, they, or their relationship isn't working. They want something else. And, we just have all this guilt and shame. And I think that healing begins when we first off exist in a space of like radical acceptance of ourselves and our situations. But then also when we allow ourselves to like own our choices and own what we do next. 
um, instead of kind of moving in the space of like, well, I can't do that, or that's not for me, or that would never work for me. You know, I feel like healing is when you just take your power back and begin to be more active in, in the living of your life versus just kind of letting life do its thing. Oh, what is real healing? Oh, man. Brenda, these questions. <laughs> They're so good. I think that it is ever changing. And I think that it is different for every individual from a very um, practical perspective. I think true healing is continuous. I think that it, um, there's a lot of different, you know, ways that, you know, it can happen for even, you know, one individual. And I, I think it's continuous, but it's also like, it, do, it doesn't stop. There is no ending. I think as you discover one thing and find healing in one space, I think it makes way for other parts of you to, you know, grow and expand and, and, you know, find comfort. Um, but I, I, I think that, like I said, I think that it is, it is just very much a, a very personal thing. And I think it looks different for every person. For me, it is a genuine, uh, like, like, physical shift in the way that I show up in my life, um, the way that I interact with the people around me, but also how I interact with myself and how I show up for myself. And also, again, just an understanding that with healing comes awareness um, of our patterns of, you know, triggers and, and different things that have kind of piled up over the years. And I think that it also is very much aligned with just uh, with being vulnerable with vulnerability and being open to whatever, wherever that healing journey takes you. As a hybrid health and wellness organization, the Outdoor Journal Tour continues to be at the forefront of centering mindfulness for women in the outdoors. On this journey, Kenya and Michelle have also learned to navigate the complexities of being Black queer women in the outdoor industry. Kenya states, my face and my voice is what makes Black women trust all of it. Trust the outdoors, trust the people who sponsor us, trust hiking. Seeing me and Michelle is what makes Black women feel comfortable even doing it. Don't trivialize me. Don't tokenize me but really celebrate me for all that I am. Kenya and Michelle continue as they share the challenges and rewards of centering mindfulness and justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in the outdoor industry. Like that question is very, like that question, it almost teared up when you, when you, when you said it. So you said, what are, what have been the biggest challenges? I will say that our biggest challenges have been related to uh, it's such a it's such a it's a hard way to say it right because I believe it is necessary that people see me and Michelle as women of color I think that is very necessary however I think that over the years the conversation was either like you are going to be black girls who are going outside or or it's not relevant so there's a part of me, I think I'm doing a bad job with this there's a part of me that's like <laughs> I know I'm doing a bad job but do you know what I'm trying to say no like, you're not I, I didn't want to be the black girl outdoor organization. That's not, that's not, that wasn't, that wasn't it, right? Like the idea is not that we have to always have these 
dramatic, drastic affinity groups. And now it's different because black people are doing it and we have to say it in the title. And we have to, we have to pigeonhole ourselves because we're black people doing this. That was not the point because the, the experiences and the issues that we've had the opportunity to, and the triumphs, right? All of those things that we've had the opportunity to witness have not been unique to women of color, right? We've experienced that with with a, with with all with women from different walks of life, different faiths, different ethnicities, and so I was very adamant about that when we came out that we're a mindful organization. And yes, we're you're, it's run by two women of color, but you're not gonna make us the black girl outside. That's not it. Like this is for women. This is for women everywhere, and that was important to me. However, just because I don't want to be Captain Black outside doesn't mean that it's okay to ignore the fact that we are women of color and that it's okay for you to now tokenize me when it's Black History Month or when there's a problem with racial injustice. And now you want to come in and center my work when the work that we're doing with Outdoor Journal Tour is novel and it was novel and innovative before all that stuff happened. It's novel because of the design of the organization, not because we're Black, right? And so that was the part that that frustrated me. We went to outdoor retailer and we actually went to the mindfulness session and the mindfulness session had nothing to do with mindfulness. It was mm-hmm. actually talking about people who had, uh, who had brain injuries and how outdoor, you know, activity was, was therapeutic for them, which I think is amazing. But I'm like, is there literally nobody else talking about mindfulness in outdoor spaces? Is there no meditating going on? Is there no sharing Yoku going on? Is that really not happening? And that is the reason why Outdoor Journal Tour was novel. And that's the reason why we were dope. You know, it isn't because Black girls are going outside. That drives me up a freaking wall. So I hope that made sense. That was a long answer. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, uh, you know, I guess for me, it's, it's like, um, okay, so let me start with, with some of the positives, which honestly has come about more recently because, yes, mindfulness is trending. Yes. Healing is trending. Um, all of these these topics, self care, self healing, um, they have become hashtags. <laughs> Which you know, in in one in one respect, it is great because that means more people are seeing it, um, more people have exposure, um, and you know, are even if it is you know, kind of the you know cheesy, more surface level. Uh, versions of things, it's still exposure, you know, and it, and it still allows people to investigate, you know, further if it's something that, that they're wanting to do. But it also has allowed us to create a space the way that we want to, because there wasn't already somebody there, because there wasn't already a framework. Um, which I guess everything that I'm saying as a positive has, uh, has, a, uh, it's like a double-edged sword, because creating something where there's nothing is also incredibly challenging, right? You know, I mean, there's always going to be mistakes. There's always things that you wish you could have done better, you know, but, but still being able to be at the forefront of this space, being the ones to, um, even if it is make the mistakes first, but being the ones, especially um, as black women, as queer women, you know, as, women living in the South, you know, there's so many, you know, uh, of our descriptions that are outside of what you typically see 
from outdoors people. They're typically in, you know, the Pacific Northwest or Colorado or California. Um, when you think about outdoor activity, you don't think about Atlanta. You don't think about the South, you know, until recently you, you, you know, pretty much thought of white men, maybe some white women, um, you know, climbing big mountains like Everest and, you know, maybe running or something like that. <laughs> I'm stereotyping very heavily, but you know, I think that has changed and just being in the space, just showing up as who we are, I think has absolutely expanded. And while, yes, we are a mindfulness organization, we are a hybrid, you know, health, a wellness organization, a big part of what we do and the venue, if you will, is the outdoors. So it really is, um, it is a hybrid and both pieces are really important to, to what we do. And, you know, I will say on kind of the what's been challenging is we have been pigeonholed quite a bit. You know, we have had things, you know, content and ideas that were very heavy in the mindfulness and brands kind of not really being interested in in that um, a few years ago and more so looking for, you know, the more physical activity activations, you know, the hikes and the, you know, kayaking trips and that sort of thing, which is also beautiful. But again, we are the outdoor journal tour because both of those things are very big parts of what we do and, and how we create the experiences that we create, you know, and, and I, I'll say this, I mean, I won't name the brand, but we have had some very uncomfortable conversations in the last, uh, you know, year, two years where, you know, we have asked for certain things um, to support our organization, you know, from, you know, just from social media, reposting, posting, um, you know, blog, that sort of thing, shout outs, and hadn't really gotten very far with that. And, you know, 2020, when all of the terrible things were happening to black and brown people all across the country and all the 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 protesting and everything and just the very public eye on this just racial inequality and injustices that were happening all of a sudden um you know we were interesting and uh, <laughs> uh, I guess at that point worthy of being on the platform. Kenya probably was embarrassed when I said this, but I was like, listen, I don't, this doesn't feel good. We, you know, this feels like you are, you know, pulling us up to the, you know, up to the front page because we're black and because we're queer not because of what we do, not because of the work that we're doing or because you're interested in, in our, you know, curriculum or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, surprisingly, they were incredibly receptive. It was a wonderful conversation. It, you know, we've, we've, we have seen things change. And while it's by no means perfect, and there is a lot of um, opportunity for growth, I appreciate anyone that is willing to have the uncomfortable conversations and, you know, actually, you know, talk about some of these things, because, you know, it, we want to be aligned with brands and organizations that support us for, yes, the work we do, um, but also, you know, sees us as whole people and not just their, you know, kind of diversity organization, if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely been interesting. And again, as time has gone on, 
it has definitely, there's definitely been more opportunities um, for us to bring in the mindfulness. The Outdoor Journal Tour's origin story is rooted in the belief that women are sacred, that reconnecting to our divinity is critical to our well-being. As we close out, I'm going to leave you with my favorite earth message from the Nature Meditation Stack. Kenya writes, There is wisdom in the soil, having held humanity for the entirety of our existence on earth. The ground beneath our feet has been present for every major human victory and failure throughout history. Today, find a spot outside. Imagine the soil beneath your feet as a wise elder eager to disclose all its secrets to you. Imagine all that has transpired in this spot over thousands of years. What wisdom is the soil sharing with you? As Kenya and Michelle close the space, they leave us with some final words about how they experience the sacred and find ancestral guidance in their daily lives. Oh, <laughs> um, I'll actually start because I okay. had a very interesting um, experience here recently. So, so a, a little, a little bit, not entirely off a uh, uh, subject. I, I will, I'll connect it back, but <laughs> bear with me for a second. Um, I have been doing, uh, again, like I said earlier, you know, I think healing comes in a lot of different forms and I've done, you know, of course therapy, but I also um, started doing energy work and, and um, Reiki. And in my last uh, few sessions, my um, parental, um, so my, uh, my parental, paternal, sorry. <laughs> like, wait, that's not right. My paternal grandmother uh, kept kind of uh, showing up. And um, I met her once when I was around five years old. Um, and I just didn't have uh, much of a relationship with my dad's side of the family um, at all, really, um, you know, living in another country and everything. But anyways, so she's kind of been showing up um, her her energy, her presence has kind of been showing up in these energy healing sessions. And I didn't even have uh, photos of her. I, I didn't remember what she looked like. Um, and I started to do some asking around, you know, my dad and cousins and, and those, you know, that I'm connected to on Facebook. <laughs> and I was actually um, able to track down some photos of her. So and that's the first thing that I thought of when you when you asked that question. And I feel like, you know, connected to her, even though she's someone that I didn't necessarily have, um, you know, a, a relationship with. But over the years of spending so much time outdoors, and I mean, just I've become, you know, this person that goes and lays in, you know, her hammock at the creek for hours, just because it's so peaceful. And so just uh, just it's beautiful. It, it's a feeling like I can't even describe. Um, and I and I want to believe that she is somehow connected to that. Um, mm. Because as I have grown in my love for the outdoors, I feel like is when she has kind of come up more. And even, you know, with the with the rooted women camp out and kind of you know, we talked a lot about reconnecting with the land and our ancestors and, you know, who were they and, you know, that they're, they are, you know, a part of us, you know, physically and um, spiritually, you know, what do those things mean? What does it feel like? What does it look like? And I, and I feel like I have made a very 
tangible connection. Um, and I and I truly feel like it is connected to my love of the outdoors and just that peace um, that I feel while I'm while I'm out there. I loved hearing that story. I'm, I'm a card puller. You know, I'm a card puller. I pull cards um, all the time. I also have a pendulum that I use. Um, it's an amethyst pendulum, which is my birthstone. And so when I'm looking for ancestral knowledge or when I'm looking for um, ancestral wisdom, that's usually where I go to, especially my pendulum. Like my pendulum is so accurate that I don't even ask a question of it. If I really don't want to know the answer, I'm like, yeah, let me just not even ask that. But um, that is how I kind of get that connection to 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 source and to I feel like my ancestors. Um, when it comes to outdoor spaces, my outdoor space experience is really more of a means of connection for me than it is introspection. Um, I feel very strongly, I feel very strongly attached to the work that I am able to do with people. I feel very strongly attached to the way in which I'm able to speak to people and how I'm able to unearth certain things in within them. And I almost feel like when I'm with people, especially in outdoor spaces doing healing work, that's the best of me. That is my highest, that is the highest manifestation of myself that I get a chance mm. to witness. And yeah. so, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's a space of connection for me. It's a space of personal, um, you know, e- evolution for me when I'm outside with people. Um, but when I do my work, my, my internal work, it's usually just me, incense, my pendulum carpools. I do some affirmative prayer where I speak some things out loud, but it's interesting because I would not, I would not view the outdoors as a place of respite for me. Um, but I would view it more as a place of like purpose. For the nature meditation stack, as you were creating it was a portion or all of that also, did you feel like it was channeled? Oh, all of it, all of it. (laughs) I don't remember the things that I write after I write them. So when I'm reading the instrumentations deck or when someone else is reading it, I'm always like, oh, that's so cool. Like, that sounds really dope. Um, like, even when you started reading the card about the roots, like, I remember that card. I remember that it was about taking up space. But when you started telling, you know, reading through the card, I'm like, man, it's really brilliant that that's where you went with that, you know. But um, it's like I will have a particular vision of something and I'll see it first. I don't know how to explain it, but like. I remember that particular card. I was looking at a tree outside of my house and I thought about how it had been there for all these years and how we didn't really pay it any attention. But, you know, if ever it should fall or lean or move in any way, shape or form, it would completely change our lives. Right. So its specific positioning was so important for us and our protection, really. But also the tree is going to do what it's going to do and it's going to be as big and and as deep as it, as it needs to be. And it doesn't really care if it gets in your way. It doesn't really care if it's inconvenient for you. Um, it's just doing its thing naturally. And what I loved about that idea is that everybody else makes a way around it. You don't necessarily just cut it down. You figure out how to move around it. And it was a testament for me in that moment was like, what if you just let yourself get as big as you can get? What if you allow yourself, um, you know, to grow and develop and evolve to as big as you can get and stop being so afraid of what will happen if that if that happens in your life? Um, And what if you just let the world adjust versus you 
pretending to try to be smaller or to 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 cower um, in the in the pursuit of the things that you really want. But I would have to hear that again for me to remember that that's where it came from. The Nature Meditations deck is now available for purchase through ChronicleBooks.com, OutdoorJournalTour.com, or Amazon. Please help spread the word. And now on to the fun five. Cool. So the first question is, what are your favorite three things in nature and what does it tell us about you? Mm-hmm. Okay, you favorite go, three things in nature. Um, this is so random, but like gravel, like I love the way it sounds um, like when you're walking on it trees and the sun um what do they say about me that I'm observant (laughs) that I'm warm yeah I'm gonna go with that (laughs) okay so I'm gonna say sun water and sun water and what do I really love oh flowers sun water and flowers and I would say um the sun um, because I'm big and I'm bright. Um, I would say water because I'm easy, but I also am persistent. And I would say flowers because they're beautiful. Um, but they also have a short, they live and they die. They live and die. And I feel like I'm always living and dying in this world. Evolving. Evolving. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> How would you like to spend your elder years? Hmm. I would love to spend my elder years definitely a beautiful beach location for a good part of the year and then in like the mountains or in the desert maybe during the winter not the mountains the desert during the winter yeah Mm. I don't know where though I'm not sure where in the world but something along those lines (laughs) hmm Okay. Um, I've always had, and we've talked briefly about this. Um, I've always had this desire to do uh, wellness work um, inpatient or inpatient in-house wellness work with people like in a resort style way. So I see myself in my elder years kind of overseeing those projects still. Um, I see myself still writing. Um, I want to be somewhere hot. So I don't know what me and Michelle gonna do about the relationship because <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to be see each other from time to time. But um someplace warm, big, big, big porch, you know. Yeah, uh, someplace beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, you know, just enjoying our enjoying our, our each other, enjoying our our grandchildren, hopefully, and just just really grateful. I just see myself sitting on a big porch looking out, being like, all right, we did okay. We did all right. Yeah, so much gratitude. Yeah, Yeah. that definitely would be a big part. I love those answers. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Here we go. Here's the last one. What space and place most dramatically influenced your life? Hmm. Space and place. Oh, man. Um, Well, I think I'll have to say that uh, just... uh, Hmm. This is so hard. This is really hard. But I'm, I'm going to kind of go back, circle back to what I talked about at the beginning. I think, first of all, growing up in Germany, being in a military family, I think that that space, that that place um, in my life was was huge, um, completely, you know, completely has 
uh, I'm losing my words. It just, it's had a very big impact on who I am today and, and the decision to um, move to the United States. I don't know what my life would look like if I hadn't have, um, you know, I think I would be, I don't know, maybe somebody in a parallel universe could tell us more about it, but <laughs> I think those are probably the, some of the biggest, um, uh, from a, from a personal perspective, the biggest things, um, you know, from a, from a professional, from a, um, outdoor journal tour, I guess, a holistic perspective is just, not just creating this platform, but taking it to where it has gone um, and being vulnerable and um, trying so many things and failing many times, um, but also succeeding in so many, in so many places, you know, all of the, the people that we've met along the, the way and um, relationships that we've formed and, um, you know, stories that we've been able to share. I think that has also just had a huge impact um, in, in who I am today as well. I would just have to say Cleveland, Ohio, man, everything about Cleveland made me who I was. Everything about Cleveland, the, the weather, the snow, my mom, my family, my high school, my high school, especially my grade school. I still have friends that I'm friends with from grade school and fifth grade and double Dutch and in my hair mm-hmm. pressed and walking to school and um, being cold and losing my mom as a child and having to find my way and all those things. And then like Michelle said, the courage to move away and still being connected to that space and my family still being there. And it drives me to do other things that I do is how do I have enough and make enough to be able to change the trajectory of my family's life and what they're going through. And um, yeah, I would say Cle- Cleveland, Ohio has been the most pivotal, pivotal place, you know, in my life. And it was very tough. It's still tough living there. It's, it's not easy to be there um, for a lot of people, uh, a lot of poverty, a lot of crime, a lot of sadness, just to be honest. But um, it made me and uh, it, it keeps me motivated. So. Well, thank you both so much for being on the podcast. I know you are so busy and, you know, getting ready for a trip. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brenda. This, this was has really been amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been so great. Great yeah. questions too. I love them. It's always so- good to to be able to be someone ask you questions you haven't been asked before and make you think, you know, like this is just really cool. So oh, thank you it. both so much. So mm-hmm. where can our listeners find you and how can they be of service to you in advancing your work in the outdoors? Oh, on the interwebs, um, on Instagram at outdoor journal tour. Um, and on our website at outdoorjournaltour.com. Like Kenya, I'm a card pooler and use my pendulum quite a bit as a compass. And like Michelle, I find nature to be a place of reconnection to myself and my ancestors. And so today, as I sat to write the conclusion to this episode, I couldn't think of a better way to end than to pull a card from the Divine Feminine Oracle deck by Megan Watterson. I asked for a message that best encapsulates Kenya and Michelle's story. I'm not surprised that Source would bring forth a message from Saraswati, the goddess of self-knowledge, who is also considered to be a river goddess and feminine deity with healing flowing waters. Artists and writers appeal to her to remove obstacles to creativity. 
In talking about the Rooted Women Campout and Healing Retreat, Michelle shared with us that it was created to provide women of color with a safe space to express themselves, to be heard, to be seen, to ground, to breathe, to allow ourselves a space to ask, what is separating me from the connection I desire? What is weighing so heavily on me? More often than not, the inability to connect or reconnect to ourselves stems from generations of systemic trauma, whether that be sexual and or domestic violence, discrimination and racism, and community violence, to name a few. As women of color, so much is asked of us, or as Michelle would say, we are programmed to power through at all costs. Saraswati's message to us is that we take time to return to the essence of who we really are, and in nurturing that essence, we realign again with the river of expression that our soul generates. And it is this very knowledge of self that the Outdoor Journal Tour is facilitating through mindfulness in the outdoors. Kenya and Michelle are creating and holding space for all women to reclaim their essence. You are your true nature, Kenya writes. A tree with no leaves is still a tree. A rosebush out of bloom is still a rosebush. And a bird that can't fly is still a bird. When you don't feel like yourself, when you're going through times of change and loss, remember there is nothing incomplete or inadequate about your being. Nothing can separate you from your true nature, your healing nature, your divine self. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for sticking with us through the entire episode. If you'd like to learn more about the Outdoor Journal Tour, Kenya's consulting services, and other sources cited in this episode, please see the show notes. And as mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this marks the end of season one. A big thank you for tuning in and helping spread the word. I'll be back in a few months with season two. In the coming weeks, I may publish some bonus material, so stay tuned. To remain connected, please follow me on Instagram at underscore yourhealingnature or email me at info at yourhealingnature.com. Lastly, I'd love for this podcast to be as collaborative as possible. Therefore, BIPOC community, if there's a topic, theme, or guest you'd love to hear from as it relates to healing trauma in the outdoors and or rethinking the outdoors, please let me know. Mil gracias. Hasta luego. Until next time, keep walking in sunshine. on the moon.